Hello ladies and gentlemen, it's a Baggies broadcast time. My name is Luke Hatfield. As ever, I am joined by the one, the only West Brom reporter here at the Express and Star, Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for that introduction. Very nice. Well, you are the one and only. Um, season 3, episode 5. Uh, good bank holiday weekend for you? Yeah, it was too hot. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the cricket, but I didn't enjoy the uh, 38 degrees heat or whatever it was. Are you not a sunbather? Absolutely not, no. I'm a white walker. Um, <laughs> so I just uh, get the sun cream on um, and stay inside. <laughs> Which yeah. Heavy doses of sun cream and lots of shade for Matt Wilson. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but it was, you know, with the cricket on, you could... Uh, you had an excuse to sit inside and, and watch TV, didn't you? Yeah, certainly did. Miracle uh, uh, head in me. Um, I mean, what... It's hard not to talk about it, isn't it? I've I've found I've found myself speaking to people about cricket over the past twenty four hours who I didn't even realise cared about the sport or sport in general. They're all getting caught up in it. I mean, you got the World Cup. Now you got this. I think that, I think that's what happens when a sport, when something remarkable happens in a sport. It would be the same if something similar happens at the Rugby World Cup this year. You know when an athlete or a sportsman pulls off a, a, a remarkable feat, it becomes massive national news doesn't it so mm. it, yeah, it was I, I couldn't believe it I must admit I switched the TV off when they went nine down yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. that was it ah, it's done I had a bit of hope when Bairstow was um, um, stinging it to the boundaries but uh, when they went nine down I thought that's absolutely done turned the TV off went to a few other bits and pieces went to a, a two year old's birthday party oh yeah then, those, those are the best birthday parties in there. and then one of, the, one of the other dads there was uh, looked at his phone and he said He's still batting. We've got 18 runs to get. <laughs> so he's stuck on five live on his phone. And just as the cake came out for the little um, the little two-year-old, um, I think that was when Stokes hit the winning run. So we were all, there was about three or four of us crowded in the corner around this phone, cheering loudly. But I got, I got back home and after the kids went to bed, stuck the highlights show on. Oh, yeah, yeah. And just, oh, it was so good. It was, I, I've never seen, I mean, I say I've never seen anything like it, but Obviously, the World Cup happened not too long ago. I still think this this trumps it. I think so. Just about. It's a test, though, isn't it? Test cricket, I mean. Yeah, it's... and it's just because the Ashes were on the line and and there was one wicket remaining and it was such a... It's a you know, it's never been done before. I think, in terms of England, they've never chased that much before. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think it just about trumps it, but uh, absolutely fantastic. I think it's one of those sporting miracles which you, you will remember where you were when you kind of yeah definitely because I was I remember I was sat I was having like a pub lunch because similar to you I was watching the cricket and then the way it was going I was like oh we can go out for some lunch here it's not really going to matter and I had it up on my phone and I saw we were 38 runs I was like what's going on here Mm. and I had to keep track of it and eventually I dashed to the car and put the radio on to listen to the last 10-15 minutes (laughs) Uh, my girlfriend was thrilled by that by the way because she does not like cricket what's the What's the biggest Albion miracle game you would say you've covered? Well, that I've covered? Yeah. Because um, I wouldn't say just watch, because everyone mm-hmm. will, will look back toward The Great Escape. Well, The Great Escape is the obvious one, that the obvious miracle game when, you know, nobody listening to this will need me to remind them that they were bottom on the, on, on the final day of the season and stayed up. But the one that I've covered, I suppose maybe the... Um, the Jake Livermore winner against Spurs, mm, that was, that um, was even though special. they didn't stay up that season, but that felt, I've, that felt like, a miracle day mm. because 
all the other results had gone their way or were going their way and they needed to win to keep their slim hopes alive and to send it into the last week having already beaten Man United when if they'd lost that they would have gone down having beaten Newcastle if they'd lost that they would have gone down mm. and then they needed to beat Spurs and yeah somehow 94th minute or whatever it was Livermore bundles it over the line I mean that was probably the biggest miracle I, you know even though it ended up not meaning a lot at the time yeah it meant everything and I still think it probably does mean something to a lot of people who were there because it, it was a remarkable remarkable day yeah. to be honest that was one I was going to pick out the one the bit which I always remember was when the goal goes in and you've got Darren Moore bless him just on one knee yeah frozen. keeping his cool yeah. whilst Bedlam goes around him yeah I, I think mean, I think was... I had to delete a tweet which <laughs> yeah wasn't, I yeah. remember yeah I remember which yeah, wasn't exactly uh, family friendly um, because it was just I mean at, at times like that the, your, your natural reaction is just to sw- to swear because it yeah. was it was unbelievable yeah, if any moments worthy of um, you know nearly get ne- nearly getting in trouble with the top brass here, at the <laughs> that's probably worth it. Um, right, let's talk about more recent games, shall we? Uh, Derby won, West Brom won, and the tale of three penalties, really, wasn't it? Yeah, again, I mean the Reading game as well was the tale of three penalties. Albion had three penalty shouts in that game. In this in this game, it was two penalty shouts for Derby and, and one for Albion. I thought the first one was a penalty, even though Gibbs gets minimal contact on Martin Wycorn. He dives in unnecessarily in the box, had a really poor game. Mm. Um, and then got a, you know, I put it in the paper as an inconveniently convenient injury yeah. um, after 20 minutes. Um, but I think you can't go to ground like that in the box and expect to get away with it. So I think there was just about enough contact there for that to be a penalty. The second one, we, we, the Kravinovic handball, there's never a penalty. I think the linesman's listened to the crowd behind him. Um, it hit his shoulder. It's not a pen. Um, justice was done there. Great save by Sam Johnston. And the mm. third one, again, it, it looks like a soft one. It looks like Pereira doesn't. There's, there's not much contact on him from from the from the angle that we were sitting, where we were sitting, because we were sitting behind the defender. So yeah, it looked like a penalty. Yeah, it looked like Lowe had caught him with almost his his body, like his mm. it caught him with his shoulder. And even on the even on the first first two replays, it looked like that. And then there was a, there was another replay from behind, which looked like there wasn't any contact or much contact at all. So I think that one was soft as well. So yeah, three contentious penalty decisions, um, all given. The referee had an awful game. Let's be honest, the officials had an awful game, um, and Slavin Bilic was sent off for complaining about it. Um, but. It was also a feeling of deja vu for Albion, I thought. Yeah. Um, and I wrote in Monday's paper that they need to really snap out of this sort of this play where they they slow the play down and they can't really. Or I've seen very limited signs that they can break ten men down. The person mm-hmm. who looked most likely to do it on Saturday, I thought, was Romain Sawyer. He played some really nice, incisive forward passes. Actually improved on his display at Reading, and it was. I think one of his best performances although he he was very good um, against who was it was it Millwall was it Millwall or Luton when he when he had something like 95% passing su- success rate yeah that's all very well and good but I think those stats can sometimes be a bit misleading if they're all safe passes yeah what you want to do is and, and sometimes Sawyers does or 
I should say sometimes Soyuz has been slightly guilty of playing sideways or backwards but on Saturday he wasn't he was moving he was playing forward passes and I think that's something that Bilic has told him to do and I think you know, particularly in the end of the first half he found Zahore with a lovely ball mm. really really nice ball and Zahore should score he was also trying to do it again in the second half he was trying to play it into the box because he's got the uh, he got the ability to do it and I'm really pleased to see that that was a really encouraging thing for me um, but others I think um, and Pereira as well off the bench I thought made a, made a difference uh, and even Dean Garner was, was direct and you know when he, when he nutmeg Keogh so there's plenty of positives to be had there but I think at times Albin are guilty of letting the the their opposition get back into get back into their place and then all of a sudden you've got to break 10 men down you know Sam Johnson had a cracking game at the back not only was he did he make um plenty of saves not only was he clear off his line quickly but when he got the ball he was distributing it really swiftly yeah. and getting setting Albin away on attacks but then they get away on the attack and then they because they want to keep the ball and be a bit safe and not be brave enough then the opposition all track back they get back in and then all of a sudden you've got to break 10 men down I just want to see them be a bit more clinical um, I wrote a piece on Monday which you know a few fans thought was a bit too critical Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see perhaps why because there is I do I do agree that there is a platform there especially at the back and in the midfield and you know with Sam Johnson you you would say that Albion is sort of seven or eight tenths of the way there yeah um, and that's the way to build a team up from the back I would say um, and they're looking good but it's just that final third it's just not clicking for whatever reason and I think they've got the quality I think I do think they've got the quality I think they've you know the likes of Phillips Dean Garner Pereira Edwards they're all very dangerous players Kravinovic you know Kravinovic for me he seems like he's always on the cusp of something brilliant yeah but never quite happens and you know I don't know what you think but sometimes I think he's guilty of slowing the play down don't get me wrong he's a really nice player I really like him I think he's very technically brilliant mm but sometimes he just slows the play down a little bit too much. I agree with you. I was gonna, I was gonna raise that myself just because he gets into really, really good positions, and I look, I think he's a brilliant footballer technically. I mean, a really good footballer. I think, I think sometimes he goes down a little bit easy, but normally he's fine. But there are times when I feel like now is the perfect time to play the ball. He's got the runner there, or someone who looks like they're about to make a run, and I think it works against the strikers sometimes, especially Zahor. He doesn't know when to make the run because he doesn't know if Kravinovic is going to play the ball. Yeah, when's the pass going to come? Yeah. So he doesn't know when to make that run because he does. He likes to hold onto the ball, and I don't think he does it in a way where it's like I want the ball. This is like in in that respect. I think he's almost a bit too picky with sometimes those forward passes that he wants to play. And I and I do th- and look the caveat to all this is that this is a new team. Mm. Lots of new players. You know, even those players that have been there before, like Matt Phillips and Carl Edwards. They've not really played with each other before. Yeah, Matt Phillips hasn't played with Zahore or Kravinovic or Pereira or Dean Garner. None of the. If you think about the attackers, none of them have played together before. Mm. Um, even you know Sawyer's. I mean, you know, the only two that could really have, I suppose, any sort of history would be Livermore and Phillips. Yeah, you know, there isn't much. I mean, I suppose Gibbs as well, but there isn't much there that has that has played together. So. That is something to keep in mind that, you know, this is a new team. Mm. A lot of these players join on deadline day. You know, Luke Dowling said to me that this will be, that he reckons they'll, they'll start slowly but grow into the season. And I, I do agree. I think, I think, I think that'll be the case. 
Um, but the, the not it's not concerning at this stage. But the thing for me is what you know. Saturday's game was, just, it was exactly the same as Wednesday's game. Yeah. They exactly the same. They fell behind and they needed a penalty late on to rescue it. They never really looked like scoring from open play. How much do they test Roos in the goal? There was they're creating a lot of chances, but they're not creating a lot of they're not testing the keepers. Yeah, yeah. Now they look a bit too limp and a bit too sluggish and a bit a, a bit too cute in the final third, all at the same time. It looks like they're getting there and they don't really know what to do. Now, as I said, there is promising signs. Sawyer's, I thought, playing some decisive balls. Yeah, pleasing to see. Pereira looks dangerous. I think Kravinovic will come good. Um, and Zahore obviously has got two goals now in the last four days. So or the last you know the last the last week or so. So there is hopefully signs that something will click. I, I do feel like they're on the cusp of something, but I also feel like if this continues, you know, look, okay, look at the seven goals they've scored in the league this season. Yeah, two goalkeeping errors on the first day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two long shots against Luton, which yeah. okay, you know their goal, the goal's a goal, but they are two long shots, um, a set piece, yeah, and two penalties. They haven't actually sc- carved anyone open f- mm-hmm. from open play yet. Haven't actually scored what you would call a regulation open play goal. Yeah. Um, now a goal's a goal, so you know a set piece. You're allowed to score from set pieces. Yeah. You're allowed to score long range shots. You're allowed to score penalties. A goal is a goal, but. I want to see something a bit more convincing in terms of oh yeah we've carved we've carved them open with a lovely piece of play and someone's finished it off and put it in the bottom corner mm. brilliant I haven't seen that yet yeah now the platform's there I fully believe the platform's there as I said I think they're eight eight tenths of the way there um, they just need to they just need to finish it off and I, I just want to see a bit of progress that's all a bit of pro- a bit of progress now it's really early days what are we five days five games into a forty six game yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, league, and you think about how far Villa came from behind last season to yeah. to get to win promotion. I mean, they were what were they, twelfth or eleventh in March or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's 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 not it's it's not the time to be panicking by any stretch. Um, but I don't want this to become a theme for the season where you know you almost become the next Brentford. Lots yeah, of tidy, yeah. tidy play, but can they finish off the chances? No, hmm. and that. And that is, you know, last season Brentford had Neil Morpai, who did finish off the chances, but this season they don't. And you know, it's all very well dominating games in midfield, which which Albion okay Saturday they didn't really dominate it. I thought uh, Kieran Dowell had a good game, yeah. particularly first half, and Derby Derby played well. And 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 that's the other thing to think to remind to remember. But Pride Park's a difficult place to go. Yeah, they yeah. were absolutely up for it at twelve thirty. They had an extra day to prepare. There's all those things to take into account. A point is a good point. I said before the game, you know, we'll take a point here definitely. Oh yeah, sure. So, um, it's it's a it's, it's definitely a good it's definitely a good point. But um, I just think you don't want that to become a running theme where they can't finish off these chances mm. or these opportunities because last season it was the opposite. They, they looked yeah. they looked yeah. less convincing at the back and in midfield, but they looked like they were going to score every time they went forward. So and that was down to you know personnel Barnes and Gale and and Rodriguez and Phillips all on the break all just all looked like they were going to score. Um, so it's funny you know 
I understand, you know, Darren, Darren Moore perhaps didn't get the best at that team, but but what he did do was, was make them a team that was capable of scoring goals. Mm. Now, whether whether that was down to how much that was down to him, how much that was down to personnel, is, is up for debate. But at the moment, Albion don't, or they're yet to, to convince in that in that final third where it really matters. Mm. But as I said, really promising signs behind. The platform looks good. Uh, Bartley and Jay, I thought Jay had a great game. Yeah, Bartley yeah. and Jay and uh, Livermore Sawyer's all look very good. So yeah, I think as I've said in a piece, which I think a, a few people didn't read that particular bit was you know the positives do outweigh the negatives massively yeah yeah although we would like a few tap-ins against Blackburn maybe well, that, well, that, exactly I mean that's what you want to see just uh, Phillips get to the byline pull it back someone taps it in Zahor or we Austin we haven't seen it have we no we haven't seen it, it yet that's right um, what did you make of Matt Phillips because there were we were talking in the press box during the game first half at points he looked like he was blowing a little bit I don't know if this is just Matt um, Phillips in general just you know playing in bursts because he's always been one of those players who you think isn't going to provide you consistency over 90 minutes but he is capable of magic moments I think the thing with Phillips is he does a lot of running from deep a lot of sprints from deep yeah um, which in its, na- in its own nature means if you're sprinting for 40, 50 yards you're going to be tired afterwards yeah yeah. Um, I didn't really I I hadn't I hadn't noticed that he was completely unfit. I don't think he's as I don't think he's as fit as he as he as he has been in the past in terms of when he was at his peak in the Premier League. You know yeah. when he was flying. Um, but I don't think he looked out of place. Mm. Um, but look at the end of the end of the day, West Brom is still unbeaten. You know at the end you can't really moan at an unbeaten start, even if there have been a couple of draws recently. No, you can't. You can't at all. And the resilience is pleasing. You know, they've come from behind four times um, to earn points. So that's that suggests that the character is there. Mm-hmm. That suggests that they're not panicking when they fall behind. Um, but they are conceding the first goal in games, and you don't, it's not a trait that you want really want to see mm. because you're always playing catch up. And it was a trait that was that was prominent last season yeah they seem to concede early on last season through it must be said last season it was through their own fault most of the time playing out mm-hmm. from the back but I would just like to see a, a game and look, maybe Saturday was not the not the time because away at Derby as I've said is tricky but you'd like to see a time when someone rocks up at the Hawthorns yeah and Albion just give them a bit of a pasting a bit of a statement win not even a pasting but you know a comfortable 2-0 win yeah. right we're away here um, there's a bit of confidence now we feel that we not only can we control games but we can finish them off at the moment I see them controlling games or looking quite composed mm. but not finishing off and it's just that final as I've said it's just that final flourish and, when, and, and, and you know hopefully that will come um, could two up top do that do you reckon it's really tricky because if you if you if you change the system and if you put two up top what you gain in the final third, you will lose, you will you will ultimately lose somewhere else. It's just yeah. you know, it's the it's the nature of football. If you play three five two, what you gain somewhere, you lose elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know you you that's that's the problem with formations. I was I, I said I wrote in Saturday's paper, perhaps Zahore and Austin could work together. 
Yeah. And having two people in the box might give you a better chance of scoring. But then if you take that man out of midfield, you are asking a lot of Sawyers and Livermore, particularly against teams that play with three in the middle. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of teams in this league play 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3 um, or 3-5-2. So I think that would be quite tricky. And Kravinovic, okay, as I've said, perhaps he maybe slows the play down a little bit, but he's a very good player on the ball. Mm. I don't know. Wh- I don't know whether it's the. T- I don't know whether it's the time now to take him take him out, or I don't know whether it's the time now to go with two up top. I can see maybe doing it at home mm. against a team that's going to sit back and give you the ball, but away from home, I think uh, particularly, I think the four two three one is probably worth persisting with. Um, I don't think it's failing at the moment, but they do need to find a way of of getting the ball in the back of the net, and you know because that is the ultimate aim of the game, isn't it? Yeah, certainly is. Right, in complete contrast to what we were just saying with it's only early on and we shouldn't worry, I've got a segment called the Worryometer now. <laughs> well, you shouldn't be worried. I can't be worrying. They're unbeaten, as you said. Then you can you can give me a very small numbers for all these because I'm going to give you a couple subjects. You're just going to give me a, a, a worry rating from 1 to 10. Okay. So I'm expecting a lot of 1s and 2s. First one, Rakeem Harper. Um... Depends what you mean. I mean, I'm, I would say a two or a three. I mean, Bilic. I asked Bilic about Rakim because he's only played six minutes of Championship football since signing his new his new contract. It's a long season. Mm. Players are going to get suspensions. They're going to get injuries. He's probably the next cab off the rank in terms of that midfield. Um, you know, I know Brunt's been in the squad over him, but you do wonder whether if if uh, Livermore or or Sawyer's got injured maybe Brunt's in the squad for his experience yeah because if you need someone to come on and close out a game I wonder if Harper would start mm. I don't know I mean maybe Billish would start Brunt um, I see where you're coming from there but though. I think maybe there's a reason Brunt's in, in, the, in the team in the squad sorry um, on the bench I think he, he, it makes more sense for, for him to be in that role Um and Bilic seems to be a fan and he's and he said you know he's starting to get it in training so maybe it's just a case of teaching him how to play I also think the Sawyers and Livermore have been playing well mm-hmm. Livermore looks a different player this season he looks thinner he looks slimmer he looks better in better shape he looks like he's in he's struck up a good relationship with Sawyers and, and that's the simple fact of the matter is you can't play more than 11 players yeah, yeah. Um, so Harper will get his chance I'm sure um, and then it's up to him to take it I suppose he might be I wonder how he's feeling because he might be feeling uh, I could have gone elsewhere yeah, uh, he's probably got in the back of his head well Spurs were meant to be interested in me in the summer and now I'm not making the Albion squad yeah and no disrespect to Albion but it's yeah. something he might think about yeah it is something you might think about but you know there's a long way to go till January mm. there's a long way you know, there's a long way to go this season I don't think it's at that stage yet Um where you need to be completely concerned but um, I just think it's the, the sheer fact is that Sawyers and Livermore look very good in that, in that partnership and, and, I, and, I, and I wouldn't be breaking it up at the moment mm, Fair point Scoring goals from open play now that was something we were just talking about how worried are you on a scale of 1 to 10 about that? Again probably about a 2 or a 3 mm-hmm. I think it will come particularly when Austin gets up to speed Um 
I'm glad Zahore's got those two goals from the spot, but I just I want to see him score one from open. I want to see him yeah. just you know, he's had a few chances now. And although they've all been on target, all of his shots have been on target, they've all been blocked or saved. Yeah. So, you know, there was the one against Millwall at home. There was um a couple one against Reading, I think, late on, and there was a mm-hmm. couple against Derby as well. Um that was just good saves and good blocks. They're all on target. He's not yeah. blazing them over. So I do feel slightly um, sorry for him because under different circumstances, you know, that squirms under a body and goes in and he's, 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 got, he's got one from open play. But Austin also hit the post, didn't he, against, um, against Luton. So it's there. It's very close. Yeah. You, you do feel like maybe just needs to spark into life and, and maybe more will come but um, yeah I'd, until you see it you can't be you know you can't really be convinced but that is the one area of the pitch where I think Albion at the moment are lacking I think up mm. front and look we all know that they tried to sign Dwight Gale in the summer um, bring him back on loan and I mean what a what a piece of business and what a summer that would have been and this team with Dwight Gale would I think be very very strong contenders for the top two yeah, yeah. Um, and there is money to go again in January if, if they need to so and as we said earlier the season's very long and you can make a dart late on so if they're still up there if they're still up there mm-hmm. and, you know come come January then they do have the, the capabilities to uh, to strengthen at the top end of the pitch and and not fix that problem because you don't know how well Zahore and Austin are going to get on they might they might score 10 goals each between now and then yeah but there is a, there is there is chance to strengthen if they need to Oliver Burke this is a bit higher i would say 7 8 9 i just nine, don't i just three. don't see him i don't see him ever really breaking into the first team no, I don't. I, I, the amount of times we've seen him and he's had a chance now, I I genuinely worry that he doesn't know, nor do many coaches know where is best to play him now. Because I know I know Bilic wants to play him as a striker, and then others have tried it, but it just when he goes up top, it it feels like they have no presence in the penalty area. I would um, I would say he's behind Austin Zahore, Robson Carnu. Um, Chris Willock when he gets up to speed maybe even Jamie Saul I just don't think he's he's not unfortunately um, it was just as I said last week it, it was a bad buy mm. and Albin are going to have to just suck it up and wear it because I don't think that anyone's going to take him off their hands maybe if they're lucky someone might have him on loan before the mm. before the week is out or before the, the window shuts but I don't see him playing many games even though Bilic did say last week I was, you know he's, 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 he's still part of my plans he's still, we still need him I don't I mean unless there's an injury crisis I don't really see him getting many minutes at all mm. and you have to say that with the chances he's had okay there was a time perhaps a, about a year ago when you felt like he hadn't been given enough chance to show Yeah, but I think he's probably had fits and starts now with every manager and it's just not come good and there's only so 
long you can talk about potential, 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 eventually you have to realise that potential. Mm. Or at least show some sign of progress or some signs of improvement. I mean, one thing that I would say perhaps gives me a a slither of encouragement is how well Jonathan Lico's done at Charlton. Yeah. He was, Lico was somebody that I also also felt last season was, was perhaps going down the Burke route. Yeah. I was never really convinced by him um, although he had, he was obviously undoubtedly talented. Uh, I felt like he made the wrong decisions and didn't really take his chances um, compared to others. But he seems to have gone to Charlton and, and, and started like a train there. So, um, you know, they're, they're they're in the top three at the moment, I think. Yeah, and yeah, he's been a big been part bad. of that. So there, you know, there is hope for all players. Players. Uh, develop at different times you know mm. it, you sometimes forget how young these, these men are yeah um, asking to be the consummate professional at, at 20, 21 when you know what were you doing at 20, 21 it, it's, it's you know it, it, we some some players don't really fully mature mentally until they're 25, 26, 27 and then they start mm. to realise how to play and that's not just in terms of off the pitch it's also on the pitch yeah you know to have a footballing brain is you have to be clever or clever enough to know what runs to make, what passes to make. And that takes time, I would say. You know, it's obviously not the same level, mm. but I, I was a much better player in my late 20s than I was in my early 20s because I just played more. And The I game was, almost slows down for you, doesn't it? I was a bit cleverer, yeah, mm. massively. So and I think that's the problem. Oliver Burke, the game is too quick because he's too quick. He can't mm. keep... He, his brain can't keep up with his feet. Yeah. So... At the moment, I'm I'm worried about him. I just think I just don't think it's ever going to work out here. But um, you never know. That's the, the beauty about football is you never know. People have these little bursts, and all of a sudden they, it changes for them. So, mm. but I think at the moment, yeah, he's destined for another long season of of not much action. Yeah, it's worth pointing out as well that a lot of clubs have players which don't always work out for them. We mentioned Villa before, but Ross McCormack seemed like he was going to be a good signing. Didn't didn't completely different, obviously great age range to Burke. Similar with Alexis Sanchez at Manchester United. This is a player who thought would do all sorts of things and just doesn't do well. Sometimes it happens. Um, general football in one for you. VAR. How worried are you about it? Um, not really, because it's in the Premier League and that doesn't concern us. <laughs> if if Albion were to go up, would you be worried about it? Um, in terms of how it's affecting the game because there's been a lot of talk recently about how it's killing celebrations I don't really buy it too much I think people will celebrate regardless I I, I agree with you on that I, there's been a there's been a lot of chat about oh VAR's killing um, killing the love of the game but for me and it just adds another layer of intrigue yeah think about the most dramatic goal the last 12 months it was um it was that that goal for that Sterling scored against Spurs in the Champions League quarter final that was then chalked yeah. off. Yeah. Now I don't think, you know, I watched the uh, the Wolves game against Manchester United and the Neves goal still made me go wow. Yeah. Even though it was then checked for VAR, I just think it adds another layer. Now the the issue I've got with it is that it for the fans inside the stadium the people who pay the money yeah. to go and watch the team they need to be included in the whole drama of, of it Yeah. so they, they need to have it on the big screen they need to be told what's going on 
Um, and they also need to shorten down the lengths of how long the stoppages are. But I think that will come in time. Once they get it up on the big screens in the stadium, mm. once they shorten down the lengths and once they get accustomed to it, I think it will just become like cricket. I mean, we talked about cricket earlier. Yeah. People still celebrate wickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when the you know when the um, ball tracking system proves it's not out the other side celebrates then the other I don't see how that's any different I kind of like that dynamic as well because I know talking about Wolves again the Wolves-Leicester game when Wolves' goal was disallowed I kind of like the fact that Leicester then almost got buoyed by the overturned decision yeah, and it twisted the game like it gave it a fresh dynamic and I know Wolves fans will be unhappy because it's like, well, it seems to give them an unfair advantage but it'll be like swings and roundabouts I think it will happen for Wolves in one favour and it will happen for every club as long as you I think the issue is the handball law is a joke that's, yeah. that, that needs to that's change that's not a VAR issue though. and that's not a VAR issue that's the law that they brought in with VAR so they need to change that the offside thing needs to be tweaked as well because it's very very strange but once you get the laws right, I think actually the, the technology mm. can work. I think I don't think it ruins cricket. I don't think it ruins rugby. I don't think it ruins tennis. And they all use technology quite well. Mm. I just think it's going to take time to, to get up to speed and, and for fans to get used to it. But I don't think people will stop celebrating goals because even if you think, oh, that could be ruled out, you're 80 or 90% of the way there because you've put the ball in the back of the net. So you're yeah. still going to celebrate madly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... It's not like this is a new thing. Like how many how many times have you celebrated a goal and for someone to dig, then, you, then dig you in the ribs and they point to the uh, lino who's put his offside? Exactly, like exactly. Now the question, the, the the thing is that's quite immediate, whereas the VAR thing was long drawn out. But doesn't that just build the tension? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm not as completely against it as as a lot of people seem to be. But again, then again, I haven't actually been at a Premier League game this season. Um, and speaking to people that have been, they say it's rubbish. So, you know, I'd. I've been to a couple and it didn't bother me too much because I mean I was at uh, Villa Spurs on the opening day and there were a couple of VAR reviews nothing ever got overturned or anything I suppose it's different with an overturned goal yeah um, so I haven't experienced that yet but when they were doing the checks it was all kind of portrayed to us you had a big screen and it said VAR check for potential red card right and I was like oh right okay they're just checking a red card it wasn't it wasn't even a yellow card challenge at the end of the day it just looked like it could have been maybe yeah the only thing I would say is I don't know how I feel about this but it does sort of that idea of checking red cards it does sort of cut out the dark arts of the game yeah and I know you don't want people to be elbowing opposition off the ball but there is something to be said about the dark arts of the game yeah and if you're going to completely cut that out that is an element of the that is an element of the game which you are removing, which is you know. Uh, uh, I don't know. You know, is is that? Do, I mean, do you, you want to remove that? I don't know. You do look at stuff, and like one of the most like historic moments in in World Cup history is the hand of God, and you know it's one of them where it should have it should never have counted, but no. now it's almost a historic piece of football. Yeah. Because of it being such a bad decision, yeah, I suppose for the people involved in the game and, the, and especially now the amount of money involved, it's it they have to get these result these 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 decisions correct. So, yeah. no, I, well, I think within time, I think it will get better. But the laws, the the, the rules around it, like the handball law, that needs mm. changing. But no, I'm not too. I'm not as against it as, as some people are. Is that a two for you then? Yeah, two one. I'd give it. I'm I'm not worried about it at all because I don't really 
I'm not that bothered. Zero. Premier League. <laughs> Zero, there you go. Uh, Albion going a goal down in games. I would say, as I said earlier, I would say this is slightly concerning. I'd give this a four or five. I just mm-hmm. think, I, I want them to, I want them to be, to have put together a performance, a 90-minute performance that is, okay, they've played well there. Mm. And they've controlled that game and they've come away with a 2-0 win. Um, yeah so I, you know coming from behind eventually you're not going to do it eventually you won't be able to find that goal eventually mm. the, you know the other team will put in a heroic effort and you're not going to get that penalty so eventually it won't work so they need to you know they need to look at that mm. interesting stuff right uh, let's before we get on to questions let's have a quick injury update from you Matt a um, couple of players I'm feeling fine Mark. That's good. To, yeah. Good to hear. Good to hear you're 100 fit for Blackburn. Um, first of all, Kieran Gibbs. Um, we did see him come off, as you said, a questionably questionably convenient injury. Um, how was he? He's, so it's a groin uh, issue. I think it's just a niggle. Billich said it shouldn't be a long one. He's going to be assessed before the Blackburn game. But if he's going to, that'd be the only game he misses because after that it'll be the international break. Yeah. But Billich isn't too worried because he's been quite impressed with Connor Townsend. Um, when he's when he's been needed, so Townsend will just switch, you know, slot in there uh, if Gibbs um, is is not fit for that game. Hagazi, how far off? Right, so he was five weeks off a couple of weeks ago, so it must be three weeks now. I think they're looking at him after the international break. I don't think he'll make the first game after the international break because they need to get back up to speed. I think he'll play in a couple of under 23s matches mm. um, after that, and then might be ready for the second or third game after the international break uh, be interesting to see what happens at the back because I think Ajay and Bartley are playing well together um, he doesn't walk into that side does he it's not an easy no he doesn't walk into it but he is a good player um, he might improve their defending in the box with balls into the box so I don't know it's it's a very it's another tough tough call for Billich because he's got a few tough calls at the back with, mm. uh, with Furlong and Ferguson at right back as well yeah uh, and any others um, Robson Carney when could we see him back in action he's back in training he back start training on Thursday so um, I think he'll probably be available on Saturday alright oh, okay there we go any others we got to worry about Matt no Don't not as far so. as I'm aware right good stuff questions 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 plenty of questions in this morning um, first one from GSWBA Willock and Saul seem to be doing well in the under 23s do you think that one of them should be subbed on in the next game if we're still lacking goals it's a good question. I think Willock is, it was slight was quite unfit when he arrived. I think that was the issue. That's why he's been left in the under twenty threes, and also because it's just a squad issue. You know, Harbin have got a, a, no injuries. Well, not not many injuries and a big enough squad. Mm-hmm. But if Willock and Saul continue to score goals in the under twenty threes, then yeah, there will there will come a time when they need to be blooded. Um, it's a shame that they've gone out of the Carabao Cup already because that would be the perfect opportunity to have a look at these players yeah. in a first team environment and and see if they can if they can do it. Um, I do think Willock, you know, the nature of Willock's loan from Benfica, the fact that either club can send can cancel it in January, mm-hmm. shows that he has been bought in as a squad player. He's a young player. If he makes a big impression, he'll stay. If he doesn't, mm-hmm. I think he'll probably go back. So um, the clock is slightly ticking on him, but again. If if these goals from open play don't come and he's up to speed, um, then you do wonder if he'll get his chance. I do think Robson Carney might get a chance first. Mm-hmm. I just think because he's a more senior player, yeah. I think he'll probably get a chance first. But if you know, if for whatever reason 
uh, it's not working out, um, then yeah, that, that I, I'm sure they will get a chance off the bench. At the moment, though, but it seems to be going with this four-five-one. So the he's loading up the bench with wingers in terms of like Dean Garner, Pereira, Edwards, Phillips. So yeah, um, not needed at the moment, but certainly an option. I think maybe moving forward once mm. he gets up to speed. Paul Chappell, why as a fan base are we so negative towards our own? It seems to be ingrained into some of our fans' DNA to refuse to like a player regardless. I don't know. I mean, I can't. I can't answer that really because each each fan is there. Yeah, each fan is there, and I don't. I don't. I don't know whether Paul's speaking about the Sam Sam Johnson issue that that, that came up last week. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps he is, but I, I would say that ninety five percent of supporters are. Um, support their team but also if they feel like I mean the whole thing about beauty of football is that you know you have your opinions on certain players and, and oh, I feel like he would work better there or this would work better you're allowed to have that as a fan yeah um, and I don't I don't just think it's you know in terms of Paul's question I don't just think it's an Albion thing it's every uh, the, every club that every I've club. seen or covered has a vocal Minority who are quite, you know, venomous on Twitter when a bad result. But I, but I also think that I think that's always been there. But I think what it used to, how it used to manifest itself was, people would have a little bit of a whinge in the pub afterwards. Yeah. But it would be done in a joking way, like, oh, so and so is useless, isn't he? And you know he's not because he's a professional footballer. Yeah, yeah. But when you say it on, when you say it in the pub five seconds later it's forgotten about it's gone into the ether whereas yeah. if you say it on Twitter then you, people can see it and you can't they can't see your body language they can't see um, the the smile they don't know the context they can't you know it, it it's very black and white and there's no mm. there's nothing to back it up with and I just think that those sort of comments those sort of throwaway um, criticisms sometimes come across a lot harsher on social media than they do in mm. real life when actually it's just a it's just a bit of a, a whinge and a moan and, and about a football team because that's what a lot of people watch football for is, to, is, is yeah. for a bit of escapism and a bit of um, you know take the ups and the downs and some people re- re- revel in the downs as much as the ups because it's it's part of it isn't it yeah exactly uh, John Simonian having watched the last few games I seriously believe Pereira could be key to getting this attack to click I'm unsure if Phillips has the legs like he used to and I'm unsure as to whether he should be a starter in his team what do you guys think? I think Pereira certainly has looked lively off the bench in the last two games he seems to have a good relationship with Kravinovic obviously had a, has, a hand, has had a hand in the last two goals mm. played a little nutmeg for Kravinovic to win the penalty against Reading and obviously won the penalty himself against Derby he does look good Mm. Whether we can do it for ninety minutes or not, I don't know. Um, and also, I would I would temper that with the the fact that when you're coming off the bench and you're you're lively and you're new and you're fresh, the opposition is tired. Seventieth minute, they've yeah. had a long game. Oh god, okay, I've got a Brazilian winger to look at now. What's he going to do? You know, it's it's easier to come off the bench. And I think Albin seemed to have a number of players who are better off the bench than they are starting. How often Carnu's case in point? always been brilliant off the bench yeah. never been a brilliant starter um, I think Kenneth Sahore even I think both strikers look, could argue looked really good off the bench didn't really look as a great starter and I just don't know whether Pereira 
because we haven't seen him mm. but I do think he's worth a shot now I do think he's, he's probably playing himself into the team um, but Billich seems to like uh, Phillips so I wonder if it would be at the expense of Edwards and Dean Garn on the other side mm. uh, Ben Perkins lots of calls for two up front could Kravinovic play a free role on the left in a 4-4-2 might get the best out of Phillips on the right as well Potential. He does seem to naturally drift over to that side. Um, I don't know. Would that I, would that leave Gibbs? That would leave Gibbs a bit exposed, I think, and he's not and he's, always yeah. the best defensively anyway. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing that personally. Um, but I think at home there is maybe an argument to ha- for having Kravinic, for playing four four two with Kravinovic further back, or even just t- take him out of the team. Mm. Um, as I said earlier, I still think. His, his his positive effect on the team is far outweighing any negative effect on the team. Yeah. So I would I would I would probably leave him in at the moment. But um, they do need to th- to think about different ways and means of 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 getting the best out of this mm-hmm. out of this squad. Jake Morris, would you like to see Matt Phillips in central midfield where he impressed last season, perhaps alongside Sawyer's? No, I don't think. I think that be harsh to drop Livermore. Sawyer's Livermore combination is working, and I don't think that Phillips worked well in a three because he didn't have to do much defending. Yeah, but I think you need Livermore to snap into tackles in there. I don't know if Phillips is. is I mean, don't get me wrong. He he's okay with doing it, but I don't think he's as good as Livermore. And you need that in 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 the engine room. Mm. So no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that at this at this moment in time. Don't I prefer, as I've said before, I actually prefer him on the wing. Yeah, Dominic Hill why do so many of our talented youngsters enter the final year of their contracts without signing new deals we had the whole willy won't he with Harper last year and now it looks like the same with Edwards Ferguson and Saul this season wouldn't we be better served dishing out longer deals in the first place well it's difficult isn't it because if you give a 17 year old a four year contract do you know they're going to come good do you know they're going to come good mm. I, I don't know I think I think uh, the policy of giving them two or three years is, is okay it, as long as you snap him up I mean Harper signed his deal didn't he in the end and um, who do they lose Rodgers to Manchester City who do they lose Barry to Barcelona yeah. you can't compete um, you can't compete with that So even, yeah, even if you had him on you know, lengthy deals they could just come in with some money for him yeah. and you'd think well they're going to be off well that's what they did with Rodgers wasn't it so you know I, I think um, it's a difficult balancing act mm. um, but I, I, I'd be surprised if Ferguson didn't sign a new deal because he's he's been the team, isn't he? I mean, exactly. I, I'm sure he will, um, and I'm sure Edwards will as well, because he's also playing. And Billich seems to like both of them. Um, Jamie Saul, a different case, because um, if he doesn't get much game time this season, he might look elsewhere. But mm. who knows? Who knows what the the next eight months hold? Yeah, Greg, Oasis or Blur? He asks. Oasis. Yeah, I'm more of an Oasis man. Uh, James Paul this is an interesting one we kind of touched on do you guys find it worrying that it's been over 200 minutes since Albion last scored in open play in the league I can't see us troubling very top unless that changes well it's what we've said isn't it yeah. and as I said I got a bit of stick for, for questioning that that fallibility but they need to they need to do it um, I, st- I still think the platform's there I still think the promising signs there mm. but I no the home game against Blackburn's a big one yeah, I mean it's not massive if they, if they lose it they lose it and you go into the international break with one defeat out of six you're not going to be too concerned but it would be a, it would be a good statement to win it 
Yeah. Yeah, it certainly would. Because you're all of a sudden you, you you've you've got two points per game from the first six games. Yeah. And that's top two form. Certainly is. And last one from Will Davis. Opinions on EFL refs. Well, I don't think the last two that Albin have had have done very well. I've, yeah, it's a very tough. It's a very tough gig. A very tough job. Um, I don't. I, I don't really like criticising officials too much because it's it's almost an impossible job, really, especially in this day and age where players are doing their utmost to to con them or 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 gamesmanship or whatever you want to call it. It's so quick now as well, and it's so quick, and you know. These aren't even even the best refs in the country because they're obviously in the top tier. So, I, I, I hate I don't really like criticising them, but the last two haven't haven't really done very well. I must say. I, I must admit, Derby the ref I think it was Gavin Ward. Um, I think that was his name. The lines the lino didn't help him out. The no, the, the assistant didn't help him out at all. He listened. I think the assistant was at fault there because he listened to the crowd. The ref didn't give it. The assistant did. So, and the ref has to go with what his assistant says because he could see where the ball hit the yeah. ref couldn't see it so he has to go with what his assistant says there and I think that was I don't think necessarily think that was the ref's fault there yeah it's, you can't you can't be buying into the fans though You've, I mean we, you, me and you both said it you know, you got to look at the reaction of players over fans I think because fans regardless they're going to ask for a penalty players know whether or not it's no, a penalty I don't, I don't think any Derby player appealed for it Maybe one or two raised hands just out of chance, but it wasn't anything serious mm. anyway. Um, right, West Brom versus Blackburn. As you said, West Brom still undefeated. Can you name the other undefeated sides in the top tiers of English football at the moment? Uh, well, the top four divisions? Yes. Probably. Go on, go, go on then. Liverpool? Yes. Man City? Yes. I don't think there's any other. Le- Leicester? Yes. That's it in the Prem, I think. No, there's one more. Oh, God. Um, Three draws. Wolves. Yes. Um, and the championship. That's it in the Prem, isn't it? Yeah, that's in the championship. You've got, you've got championship. Now you've got championship. Leeds. Yeah. Charlton. Yeah. Swansea. Yeah. Albion. Yes. League One. Oh, yeah. God. I've got no idea. I've got no idea. Recently relegated. So as in last season? Yeah. Ipswich? Yes. You're Is not going to get the others, are you? No. Okay, rest of the teams. So, you, to be fair, that's a great effort from you. Uh, after Ipswich, Blackpool, Wickham, Sunderland, Coventry, Doncaster, Exeter and Newport. Okay. As, as of 20 hours ago, that was. Um, but yeah, anyway, West Brom still undefeated. Chance to get a win uh, on the board um, after a couple of draws. Tony Mowbray's side, though, coming back. Well, they did well against Albion last season. They beat them at... Did they beat them at Ewood Park? I can't remember now, but... Um, I remember thinking they were tough games and they'll be a strong mid-table side this season Blackburn yeah yeah. got a lot of players to worry about as well I mean Bradley Dack Graham Downing Gallagher these are all threatening players so you know the baggies but I was you, you, I was actually quite encouraged by how little Jack Mar- I thought when, when, when I saw Jack Marriott's name on the team sheet yeah. for Derby I, I thought oh he's, he's going to be a handful I didn't. Th- he didn't really get a sniff. I was quite impressed by that, and mm. I know Waghorn won the penalty early on, but again, he didn't really do much apart from that. So I don't. It's not necessarily the area that I'm concerned about. You, you'd want to come up against a team with a really good front line, but a questionable back one, wouldn't you, at the moment? Yeah, 
I think. Um, but yeah, Blackburn 13th at the moment, not an easy prospect. They've just drawn with Cardiff, but before that they won three in a row. Um, do you fancy Albion? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I do and I don't. I I I I think they they are very close to clicking, and I think they they could they could do it on Saturday. Um, but I also think that Mowbray is a wily manager, a good manager, and I think he will know where the weaknesses are. I think he will know how to play against Albion. I. Yeah, it it's gonna be it's not gonna be easy by any stretch, but especially considering the home form, you know, they, they mm. they've they've not won at home yet this season, so no. they need to they need to get a home win under their belt. Um, but Blackburn won't; they're not gonna be any sorts of pushovers, that's for sure. Give me a prediction then to finish up. I'll say I'll, I'll say Albion will edge it. Um, I'll go for two one. Two one. I will go. Uh, 3-2 Oh, a barnstormer Yeah, I always, you know me Matt always go for barnstormers Some strange noises going on in the Expressing Star today Yeah, well, there seems to be some birds in the, on the roof or something Yeah, I'd, I'd put my money on pigeons Right, okay they, see, they sound like they're actually right above our heads though Yeah, they do <laughs> Shall we leave it there then to avoid um, any more pigeons breaking in? Absolutely. Yeah, all right, that just about does it from us. Um, Matt, thanks as ever for joining us. No worries, thank you. And uh, thank you for everyone for listening.